This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. Hi, I'm Amy Pearson, and this is Mother Other. Join me as I ask the big, juicy questions exploring the impact that becoming a mother has had on the inner and outer lives of my guests. Hi. Gosh, it feels so strange to be speaking into the microphone for the first time in about five months. I am so happy to be back. I have missed this space, this community so much. The truth is I've been working really hard. I've been building something exciting and new. It's called Birth My Business and its conception was sparked by my other business, Sun Mother Studio. One of the most common themes I'm finding with my clients and community at Sun Mother is that so many women, especially mums, struggle with the overwhelming to-do list when birthing their business online. As mums, we have a lot to juggle and, you know, that's one of the reasons you're here listening to this and I'm here talking about this on this podcast. But if you've been listening for a while, you will probably know that not only am I a brand and web designer, but I'm also a serial entrepreneur. I have an endless amount of drive and I'm always building and launching things This has become quite a strength of mine and it's meant that I've been able to turn my passion for building and launching incredible businesses into my own business, which is Sun Mother Studio, where I build brands and websites for other women. And it's also meant that I've been able to package all of my knowledge up into a digestible, implementable system for new or small business owners who feel a bit overwhelmed or lost with the DIY of it all. I want to be able to provide women, especially mums, with a guide and a container of support and offer clarity and confidence in the strategy they need to birth their business online and start building their own success. A framework for their brand, strategy, website, marketing, all of the essential must-knows to launch and run a successful business, if you like. So if this sounds like something that might benefit you, head to either sunmotherstudio.com or birthmybusiness.com and sign up to the mailing list. There you will be notified as soon as I launch this business baby of mine and you'll also get a few sneaky extras for being one of the first to sign up. Okay, so this conversation has been sitting waiting on my computer for months and months. Honestly, it's been almost a year since I had this chat with Gabrielle, but I guarantee you it is worth the wait. In this episode, I chat with Gabrielle Nancaro, the owner of Gather Women Space and the author of the newly released book, The Birth Space. Gabrielle is incredibly driven, much like myself, and was living a really career-focused life in New York City with her husband before they fell pregnant with their first baby, which completely uprooted their life. In this conversation, we discuss careers and motherhood, the complex grief of miscarriage, the polar opposite postpartum periods that she experienced between her first and last babies, postpartum depletion, conscious conception, starting and running businesses as mothers, and the change that happens in our relationships once we become parents. There's so much more. I can't list it all here. But I'm thrilled to be back, to be sharing such a deep and honest conversation with you once again, I am so happy that you're here listening with me and I just cannot even begin to to thank you for being on this journey with me for such a long time, for putting up with my sporadic posting um, on this podcast, for realizing that it's not my primary focus as I've got not only children but a business to run and the fact that you're still here and you're still listening with me it just means so much to me and yeah I'm so grateful to have this incredible community that I've built over the past few years of becoming a mum all right I'll let you listen to the conversation now big big love to you I will see you hopefully next week okay enjoy so today's guest is Gabrielle Nancaro 
a mother, doula, and author of The Birth Space, a doula's guide to pregnancy, birth, and beyond, and the owner of Gather Women's Space based in Victoria. Welcome to Mother Other, Gabrielle. I'm so looking forward to chatting with you about all of this stuff because you're definitely living in that world. Yeah, thank you, Amy. It's it's an honor to be here. (laughs) Would you like to start us off by telling us who you're a mum to? Sure. So I have three children. Um, My eldest, Camille, is seven. Um, And then my second daughter, Audrey, is four. And I have a little boy, Freddie, Frederick. We call him Freddie or Little Fred. Um, His birthday, his first birthday is in a couple of weeks. He's almost one. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So you're like right in the thick of all of the types of parenting right now. (laughs) I'm drowning. I'm drowning in all the types of parenting. Absolutely. It's a lot to juggle having multiples. I only have started to really realize that now. But my sister has three kids and her oldest is Mm -hmm. 14, turning 15 soon, Mm -hmm. and her youngest is five. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different things going on for them. Stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to who you were before you became a mom as an adult working mm-hmm. woman. What was your life and yeah. career like at the time? So before I became a mum, I was living in New York. My first daughter was born in New York City and I um, was working as an editorial director or the editorial director at Victoria's Secret. Um, so I had a really busy, um, enjoyable, full-on demanding job and mm. our life, you can imagine, in New York was just honestly like a dream. Um, mm. I think back to it now and I think we were there for five years and I think it wasn't even real. Like it was a chapter in our lives that was just awesome. We just had so much fun, especially with our children. Um, obviously when our daughter came along, it was a very different lifestyle there. Mm. But before we had her, um, we just had, we met some amazing friends. We were both working really, really hard um but it was fine like it was amazing it's what everyone kind of does there the pace was amazing um we lived in a beautiful little neighborhood so much culture so much culture we lived in a little neighborhood called Nolita and honestly I walked out of my apartment door every morning onto the street and just was like do I even live here this feels like a dream like it is just, wow. it was just the most beautiful place um and work was really like I was loving my job I was doing really well at my job I'd grown um grown an, an incredible team there so I'd been at my job nearly five years when my daughter was born and I just loved that lifestyle like I really loved um the creativity behind it so I was the editorial director which meant I owned the voice for the brand so Mm. everything from naming products to social media website print catalogs all of that um a lot of video production so I was on all the shoots I was at the fashion parade every year like it was just a dream life we had so much fun um yeah it was really really good I was I was so happy there a world away from where we are now, not only parenting-wise, but also with the pandemic yeah, and everything totally. that's going on. It would be so different there yeah, right now. Yeah, very. So you're living there, you're loving life. Was motherhood something you wanted at that time? Did you think about it much? Yeah, I thought about it a lot. Um, always wanted to be a mum. I'm, I'm from a really close family. I have an older brother and two younger sisters. I always wanted the big sort of mess of a big family. I always just sort of knew that it would happen. My husband and I had been have been together a long time. We met at university and we got married in my I thought I was old at the time. I got married when I was twenty almost twenty-seven and I look back <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that was young. I was so young. Um I thought I was old. But um yeah, so we've been together a long time. We both really wanted children. I sort of started around my 30th birthday, I think we started talking about it and my husband was like, oh let's just, you know, we've only been here a few years. Let's just hit pause on that for a while and we'll think about it in a year or so but I I felt really ready at that point and about I guess like six months later he said to me we're on we were traveling down the coast um in uh California and he said I'm ready I'm ready now let's just do it tonight <laughs> and I was like yeah what you know how guys just think it can just you know happen with no preparation and I was still on the pill and he's like just stop taking it we'll see how it goes and when he said that and when he said I'm ready I took a step back and I was like oh okay um I don't know if I feel ready wait a minute like hang on so it took me even from that point on like too real almost yeah yeah and I and when he said no let's do it and I said oh give me a little bit of time so it was a few months before I sort of really truly wrapped my head around it and I I was thinking a lot about my career and I was thinking about our life and how it would impact our life and when it became real I was like oh maybe I'm not quite ready 
Um, so it took a few months before we started trying. Mm. Yeah. So what was in the initial sort of thinking about and longing for motherhood in a way before it did become kind of too real, what was it about that abstract idea of being a mum and having a family that you wanted? What what was it that drew you in about that? Was it just that you came from a bigger family? Mm, we can't, yeah, a big family but a really close family. I've just like my family and my best friends, my sisters and my brother and my best friends were super close and I just – my husband and I, like, we, we're very in love. We're very much committed and on the same sort of family track and wanted, just wanted that. I don't know. It's a great question. It's something I never <laughs> considered really before because I think, I think it's really important. And what I know now about sort of more conscious conception and really calling the baby in and being really focused on that, I didn't know anything about that. It wasn't an intuitive thing for me. It's something that we really practiced for our third baby, but initially for our first not a lot of thought went into it, if I'm honest. Like, it's something we wanted. We felt like we were around the right age to start. You know, I wanted a few children, so I thought I'm almost 31. Like, maybe we need to start doing this. It was more of a timeline thing, I think, rather than yeah. like an emotional, spiritual yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Just like, let's get going without a lot of thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I did as well the first time yeah. around. Yeah. How did you feel emotionally when you were actually started conceiving um started the preparation to conceive and then conceive um, eventually yeah so again I didn't know a lot about how to prepare to conceive so I thought it was about taking prenatal vitamins so I started doing that um and then went off the pill like a lot of people went off the pill and didn't really give myself my body a chance to really regulate I just went off the pill mm. and I didn't know anything about my cycle I was incredibly like naive to all of that. I didn't know when I was ovulating. I didn't know anything, which is wild. It's wild, but mm. it's common. I feel like it's common mm-hmm. that women don't, under, we're not taught it. We don't, um, yeah, there's no education around it, which is a lot of the work that I try to do at Gather, especially with the teens, um, trying to mm. help them celebrate their cycle and really understand their cycle. Um, I've come a very long way since then, but um, yeah, I didn't, didn't know much about it so I just thought let's just start trying um how was I feeling emotionally I was wrapped up in my world of work we were busy we would like let's give out like I didn't even think I knew that it could take a long time I didn't I wasn't concerned about it taking a long time in the end it didn't take a long time like I fell pregnant um I found out I was pregnant in May so I think we started trying around February March so it didn't take Mm. long yeah and so then conceiving was quite quite easy for you the conception was I lost my first baby to miscarriage though. So um, that was really hard. It was devastating. Mm. It was um, really unexpected as much as I knew that it was a common thing. Um, I did know that it was a common thing, but it wasn't a story that I had grown up with. My mum my yeah. had never miscarried. No one I knew. No one I knew had miscarried. But, you know, when I found out, when I started talking about it later, I found out actually lots of them had. But um, at the time, yeah. I didn't know that. So I felt, mm. I felt devastated. I felt really alone. Um, mm. we, it was kind of like a beautiful moment when we found out we were pregnant because all of my family happened to be in New York at the same time. So my, my youngest sister lived in New York with us. Um, but then my mum and dad, my brother and my other sister just all happened to be there. We travel a lot as a family. We always have. And um, we were all just in the city at the same time. We are having dinner that night. I'd found out that afternoon that we were having a baby. So we went out for dinner and told them all like that moment. Like I knew for for a couple of hours that we were pregnant. We were so excited. Um, And then we told them all and it was such a big celebration. Um, And I didn't really didn't honestly think that anything other than a healthy baby would be born at the end of that um, pregnancy. So when I started to um, go through the system and got an obstetrician and started having scans they I went for the first scan and they said oh we think your dates are a bit off we just think it's a bit early like we can see things are happening but um come back in a week and we'll do another scan and we should hear a heartbeat then um so I left that day thinking everything was fine like there was no kind Mm. of there was nothing ominous about it they didn't say you know look this isn't looking great maybe it's not going to work you know it's not going to happen but they just were quite positive they said come back in a week we think your dates are just a little bit off um I came back in a week and there hadn't been any progression in the pregnancy and they Mm. said look it's it's not it's not going to happen it's you know it's not a viable pregnancy you will lose this baby and I was so sad (laughs) 
I've never felt that kind of sadness before. I think miscarriage is a really complex grief because, yeah. um, you know, you, you see that pregnancy test and you, like I said, you think that there's going to be a baby at the end of it, especially when you're yeah. first, first time pregnant and you hadn't suffered a loss before. You just yeah. don't think it's going to happen. So I saw the pregnancy test. I knew our due date. Like I, I just knew all of that and I just thought this is going to happen. And it didn't, when it didn't, it was so sad. Yeah so much planning and especially if you're quite a cerebral person I am too and I mm. suffered a miscarriage quite early on too I wasn't really aware of the statistics at that point mm. and I think I'm sorry I, I think about that yeah I'm sorry for you too I mean it's it's a like you said a really lonely experience and a really strange experience because it's not spoken about much mm. and I think about that timeline for me from the moment I found out I was pregnant to the moment that I lost the first baby and mm. it was such a short period of time but so much went on for me mentally in that time that yeah. made the loss so much greater like yeah like you say you're picturing a human you're picturing a yeah. whole person in your family and so it's really difficult to explain that grief to someone that hasn't yeah. experienced it before did you have yeah. anyone to process that trauma with no no one I think it is that loss of the potential like you said the loss of the potential and the possibility of this baby that's so sad I had no one I had obviously my family um, who were incredible and my partner, but no one that who understood what I was going through. I felt mm. so lonely. I felt really sad. Um, when I went back, they said, you know, we recommend you have a DNC. I didn't have, again, no body literacy. Like I didn't understand what my options were. They never said to me, as, as much as I sort of go back and feel frustrated at myself for not understanding or not knowing that I could have just let the pregnancy pass on its own, I didn't know that was an option. They said, you know, you can mm. go home, take a pill, or you can have a DNC. We recommend a DNC. It's much quicker and it will be over sooner. So I had the DNC. I had a very traumatic experience with the DNC. I had it. Um, most people have a general anaesthetic for a DNC. I just went along and had, I was completely aware and awake through the whole Whoa. thing. Um, it was just so hard to process physically mm. and emotionally as well and I think I've done a lot of work since then on that experience and really what that did to me um so yeah that physical experience was quite traumatic um yeah and then so this all happened to you and then how soon afterwards did you decide that you would try again and go for it again straight away <laughs> yeah. again I just wanted I just wanted that I would just wanted to be pregnant again so yeah. When I, I support a lot of people going through this, um, going through miscarriage, and I sort of say to them, like, it's up, it's, it's a really personal choice how long you wait, but had I had my time again, I would have paused, I would have really let my body regulate, I would have taken more time to process and mourn that huge loss. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do that for a long time. Um, mm. I just wanted to move on and get pregnant really fast. So we didn't wait long at all. I don't even think I had a cycle. Um, maybe I had one cycle because it wasn't until September I found out that I was pregnant again. So I lost the baby late June um, and September, early September I found out that I was pregnant again. So maybe I had one cycle in there. But, yeah, we, found, we tried pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. So then you have your pregnancy, you're working still. What, how much work were you able to still continue to do? Were you fine throughout your pregnancy at that point? Um, my first pregnancy was pretty good. Like, yeah, I was pretty unwell for about 12 weeks, I think, but not, uh, you know, I, with my third pregnancy, I was severely unwell. Um, so compared mm. to that, I was breezing through it, honestly. I, like, felt really good, still working very, very hard, like crazy hours. Um, you know how tired you are in that first trimester? I didn't mm. stop. I didn't rest. I didn't, you know, taking a day off in the US is unheard of. So yeah. um, I just worked through it. I powered through it, um, just kept going, didn't really listen to my body. I remember sleeping through every weekend though, like by the end of the mm. week, I'd go to bed early on Friday and basically stay in bed all weekend and recharge mm. and not do anything and then get up again on the Monday and just go through. I, we tra I travelled a lot with work, so that was really exhausting. Um, I just... I didn't stop at all in the way that, you know, I know that you really should try to try to do if you can. Mm. Yeah. So if we skip ahead to, because I know birth stories can be wonderful, but I, I like yeah. to focus more on the career side of things. Totally. So yeah. If we skip ahead to you've had the first baby, mm -hmm. how did you go during the postpartum period? Did you have support physically and emotionally? Mm -hmm. um, I did have a support around me, which was, 
um, life changing. I had my parents who came back to New York and stayed for eight weeks. So they came back. Yeah, Yeah. they came, they hired an apartment. They rented an apartment just down the street from us. They came back when I was 39 weeks pregnant and my daughter was born a couple of days later. So they were there to see me just before they were there when she was born and they stayed for eight weeks. So in terms Mm. of having emotional support and just food, which my mum was incredible, just fed fed me so much food and cooked all the food that I love. Um, Mm. And they were just there to hold my daughter. Like my daughter didn't sleep anywhere but somebody's arms for eight weeks. You know, it wasn't always my arms but it was someone's arms. So my sisters were there. Everyone was just holding her and and holding me through it as well. So That's amazing and and almost unheard of. So good. We were so lucky. The thing that I shouldn't have done though, well, the things that I shouldn't have done because we were living in New York, I didn't really understand the um, importance of breast postpartum. So my daughter was born. Um, a few days later we were having, I had a major hemorrhage after her birth and so I was depleted, really depleted. Oh, wow. um, yeah. But I was brunching with champagne like on day three and then we were wow. at the pub with her on the weekend with all our friends. I went to a wedding when I was 10 oh, days postpartum. Yep, mm. in heels and a dress. And everyone was like, you're amazing, look at you. And I was feeling like just absolute crap. I was feeling so tired, weak. I was sore. I could barely sit still. I was thinking, what on earth am I doing? But Mm. I was there. I showed up and I thought that's what you do. Exactly. Isn't it so crazy that we're taught that this is normal? Like Mm. society makes it seem like that's okay. Yeah. That's kind of what shocked me so much about motherhood was like, it's just this huge blow and you're not mm. no one says hey this is in this is extremely hard you mm. need to slow down and rest and look after yourself so that you can yeah. get through it and yeah. you just sort of have to unfortunately learn that the hard way unless you're yeah. that's why I'm glad there's a lot of um <clears throat> different sources of information about it now it's becoming a bit yeah. more exactly like your book basically which yeah. we can get into yeah, I think I just have learned so much through all my postpartum experiences. My first one, I'm still depleted today from that experience, yeah. from not resting. Yeah. So thank goodness my mum was there saying, sleep, let me feed you. Yeah. Because I had that I had that soft place to land. I had that space. But, um, you know, outside of those hours, I was on the go, totally mm. on the go. Yeah. What was the process of transitioning into motherhood, also known as matrescence, like mm. for you? Um, I didn't feel like that transition was so great um, the first time around because I I went back to work pretty soon after my daughter was born. So I had my parents there for two months. I came home to Australia for the third month and I went back to New York and started full-time work. So um, no time to process what was happening to me emotionally. I physically found it it very difficult to recover from the birth. Um, But the emotions that were there I didn't start to begin to process really until my second and even third pregnancy um that shift was very different for each baby but for this one I felt like I um you know she was born I had so much care around me I had so much support um I wasn't left alone very much to really sit and think about how things were going and what was happening happening for me emotionally and then I went back to work so it was almost like going straight back to my old life I had my full-time job I had my role I was very comfortable in that but my baby was at home and I felt so achingly sad about that. And yeah. Like the physical manifestation of being separated from her was so, so hard and deep. And I was breastfeeding her, so I was pumping during the day three or four times mm. during the day and still bottle feeding and breastfeeding at night. And, um, you know, I'd be in meetings and I'd have a letdown and just be, milk would be everywhere and I'd just be yeah. thinking, what is going on? Like this is so mm. wrong. And I'd taken four months off work, which is – twice what any American would ever take off, you know. Yeah. But I love my job and I was like, but I love my job, but I want to be home, but how do I do both? This is really hard. I don't know what what I'm doing. And eventually I burnt out and I quit when she was about a year old because I just couldn't do it any longer. Yeah. So before you actually went back to work, did you ever feel like you wanted to work or was it something that you just knew you were going to be doing so you didn't really and you just absorbed that newborn time? Yeah, it was in the plans to go back to work. I wasn't ready to leave my job. I loved my job. I wanted so much to be there for her as well and to be to mother her and to be the person, her person. But um, yeah. I also wanted, I wanted, I think in the back of my mind, I was thinking I'll see how I go. I'll give it a bit of yeah. time and if this doesn't work out, I'll leave. And it didn't work out, so I did leave. But 
Um, when I when I did leave that job, I was very ready to leave the job. I think when I I think the biggest shift for me happened. The birth was monumental. The transition through the birth was monumental, and I'd had a doula support me through that birth. And when she oh, was wow. born, yeah, when she was born, literally, I grabbed her, placed her on my chest, looked at my doula, and said, "What you've given me, like I just want to give to other women. Like what you've done is just." beyond anything I could have imagined and I want to do that for other people so in that moment I thought is what I'm doing right do I want to go back to this job I love or do I want to make a shift And I think as I grew as a mother and especially in that first year I just sort of slowly kind of stepped away from my job and my responsibilities at work and didn't feel so aligned to it anymore I feel like I felt like my I guess priorities had changed a lot I thought like if I'm going to be away from my daughter I want to be doing something that is really meaningful and Mm. for me for me personally that job was no longer meaningful so in the end to quit was easy even though people were saying what are you doing you're on this fast track you know you're doing so well at this company um keep going keep going keep going and Mm. in my whole life I'd worked so hard I'd worked so hard to get there I'd worked so hard through the years that I was there to get where I was but in the end, it was, wasn't a difficult thing for me to walk away. So that's why I knew in my heart that it was the right thing to do. How did you know to hire a doula? Uh, my yoga teacher told me. So <laughs> ah, I was around. Okay. I'd been doing yoga every couple of times a week. So it was really the only thing through my pregnancy that I did for myself. Other than, you know, everything else was just work pretty yeah. much. Um, I did my yoga. She said to me when I was about 35 weeks pregnant, you're very, she's like, honestly, you're very disconnected from your body. You're, you're not prepared for this birth. I can just tell that you are not emotionally. Like she just knew. She read me very, very easily. Mm. And she was right. I hadn't done any preparation at that point. I'd watched the business of being born and watched and read um, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. And that's all I'd done. And she said, look, just get a doula. I said, what is a doula? I had no idea mm. what a doula was. And she explained what a doula was. And I said, that sounds pretty amazing because... I'm giving birth in an American hospital. I know the stats. Yeah. I'm a little bit afraid. And maybe that's why I hadn't started processing things because I was a bit scared about the whole thing. Yeah. So I went to carriage house birth um, that weekend and found a doula and she supported us through those last few weeks of pregnancy, showed up for us at the birth, supported us postpartum. And I was like, God, everyone should have a doula. Like, why would you yeah. not get a doula? If you can afford to have a doula, everyone needs to have one. She was amazing. Mm. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. So, because not many people know to do that. So, yeah. Um, I was surprised to hear that you had one on your first birth. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about Gather Women Space, which came before the book. How yep. did it all begin? So, um, I think the the seed was planted when I miscarried my baby and I was looking for a community I couldn't find. Um, really, that's when I started thinking about the potential for this space. Uh, it, when I was in New York, I visited a few similar spaces. Carriage House Birth is one of them. It's more birth focused, but it was a really beautiful, warm cocoon in the space where they educated women and, and families um, on birth and on doulas and all of that. And I said, that's important. We need that in Melbourne. I went to other spaces where it was more women's circles and meditation. I just got so much out of it. And when I got home to Melbourne, I looked for a doula when I was pregnant with my ser- my second baby and in New York like I said it was so easy I went to carriage house birth I had a free meet meet the doula's morning uh, found her booked her on the spot and then when I came home I looked for a doula I, I googled I called a few I didn't connect really with them on the phone um, I had a toddler I was working and I was like too mm. hard I just don't have the time like this is really hard why does it have to be yeah. so hard and so I thought okay i really need to create this space. I need to create a space, at least a doula collective, but can I have a physical space where women come, get they gather, they're nurtured, they're educated, and they feel like it's a community space and they can really find that physical connection, which I think is really, really difficult to find um, in our culture right now. So, mm. yeah, I started thinking about Definitely. that and started working on it. And long story short, it was like a year, a year of really solid hard work before it, before the space opened. But, um, yeah, it... it is such meaningful work. Like I said before, I needed to find that meaningful work and I found it and I love I love having this space and what it's done for our community. So did you work on that space during your pregnancy with a toddler? Mm-hmm. That yeah, is and I was so working wild. part-time. I was working part-time oh as well. Gosh. Yeah. That's full on. How did you it manage childcare in that time? Did you have some kind of childcare for your toddler? 
Yeah, so she was uh, at daycare two days a week and my parents have always looked after my children one day a week. So I've had that. That's um, great. Yeah, so she was doing that, although she started daycare when she was two, uh, which I just was not a great time to start daycare. It was a really difficult transition for her and she hated it. She hated it every single day that she went, which was a really mm. hard for my husband and I to drop her off and know that she was just sad <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. It was awful. It was awful. We had a very similar experience with the daycare at two and actually I was pregnant too. So So it was rough. like we had probably similar with you, we had straight into daycare at two. Mm. I'm pregnant mm. and almost mm. due in a few months. We need this yeah. time for the baby, yeah. for the toddler to be looked after so that yeah. I can work and I can have time with the baby postpartum. Yeah. And then, of course, the daycare germs started. So it was like yeah. every week mm. or two we're all sick. sick. And, oh, it honestly was the last six months of my life has just been yeah. oh, insane. Wild. That's hard, really hard. Yeah, it's getting easier now. But, yeah, but yeah I, I understand that would have been a massive juggle for you. It was tough, yeah, emotionally. Like if someone, if your child's happy at daycare, it's a, it's wonderful. It's mm. wonderful that they're happy there, but she just, we knew that she was so unhappy. So it's been really tough, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the book, The Birth Space, is an incredible yeah. feat. Thank I know you. this will benefit so many birthing people and their families mm-hmm. to support yeah. them yeah. and to prepare for birth, postpartum, and to understand their bodies. There are mm-hmm. multitudes of reasons why the book is incredible and an incredible resource, but I think Thank what you. stood out for me mostly, mm-hmm. um, and I mean everything did, but just mm-hmm. something small that stood out for me is the questions that you've put in there that are crafted mm-hmm. for each sort of section and it may be just my inquisitive personality type, but I think those questions that are written for for the listeners, there's some for your relationship, for your midwife, mm-hmm. for your doula, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's such a huge investment in the outcome of birth and postpartum for birthing families. I think yeah. just those questions in themselves hold so much and yeah. I loved every single question. They were very well thought out. Thank so you. I'm incredibly impressed, obviously. What was <laughs> it that it, that sparked the idea for this book and mm. how did it come to fruition? So I think I had always had, I, I'd always wanted to write a book, always wanted to write a book, but um, I never would have done this. Um, Hardy Grant, the publisher, have been wonderful and they actually approached me to write the book. So if they had not done that, this book may not have ever happened. Um, I, I wanted to write a book, but actually thinking, pitching a book to publishers, like where do I go, where do I begin, what do I do, I wouldn't have known mm. what to do. So I didn't have any, you know, I had lots of lots of stories from my doula work, lots of education behind me, obviously my motherhood experience. I had notes on my phone where I'd just jot down ideas for social media posts or whatever it was, mm. um, just musings really. So I had a lot of content there, but when they approached me and said, we think we want a book, we think that you're the person to write it, will you pitch it to us? I said, okay, what what kind of book? Like birth is huge. Birth, you could mm. write, there are so many birth books out there. Like what kind of book do you want me to write? And they said, we want, we trust you. We want you to write, pitch the book that you would write, that you think is needed, that there is a gap um, in the world of pregnancy books and what is it and we want you to write it. So I worked really hard on that pitch um, towards the end of 2019. I sent that pitch in and really it was like so good for me to actually finally start organising my thoughts and start thinking, okay, what what have I found as a doula that is really necessary and really needed and what's the information that that is really lacking? And I find I do a lot of private sessions um, as a doula just in cons- like preparing for conception and preparing for pregnancy and it's wild what we don't know and it's wild what no one tells us. Like, you know, you, you get pregnant and then you go through the system and there's no one there holding space for those questions that you kind of point to in the book. There's no one sitting there and asking you and spending the time with you unless you hire a private midwife for a home birth and they're coming to your home and they're really spending that time with you, which is unusual really in our system. Most Mm. people are through a hospital system and even if they have an obstetrician, that obstetrician's not sitting there every appointment and saying, but how's your relationship going? And do you have any past trauma? Is there anything that might impact your birth? Um, How do you want to feel in birth? Like what do you want to feel? Not what kind of birth do you want, but how do you want your birth to feel? Like these are the questions that I know are really powerful to get people thinking about preparing for their pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and no one tells you this. So, um, and when I speak to these families, they're like, wow, thank God you told us because no one would have. And this this matters, like this matters, birth matters. How Mm. we prepare for our birth, how we birth and how our postpartum unfolds impacts us as mothers, impacts our partners, impacts our families, impacts our communities. 
this really matters and no one's holding mm. the space for these conversations. So for me, that was first and like front, first and foremost, like that's what has to go into the book. Um, so yeah. I wrote that. And then I, I also, I've always been a storyteller. I've been a writer, like I said. So before becoming a doula, I was always a writer. I've always written. Um, stories are really impactful and powerful, I think. And after my miscarriage, hearing other women's stories helped me get out of that isolation that yeah. I felt. So I mm-hmm. knew that stories were powerful. So a lot of what you see in the book as well are other women's stories. So I approached women yeah. I know that I've supported as a doula, friends of mine and other women I've just connected with um, through social media who I knew had really powerful stories. I've asked them to share their stories of conception, um, of birth and of postpartum. And I think that a lot of the feedback I've had from the book is that those stories really touched people's soul, which really spoke to me. So I'm so happy so to have that storytelling throughout it as well. Mm, yeah, it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so I got the book deal like mid, like in 2020 and wrote throughout 2020 through lockdown. Oh, yeah, that would have been – I was going to ask you actually how did you – I mean, you, I love that you write in the book, there is no career motherhood balance. And I totally agree mm, that it sets yeah. us up to fail. But in yeah. saying that, how did you manage your time? Uh, I know there was lockdown, so that's a lot. Unless unless you were able to still access daycare, I'm not sure. How did you yeah. How did you do all of that at once? Um, so I started writing the book on the couch with pregnant with my third baby, like wildly sick. <laughs> So mm. we, I got my book deal like around the, t- around the first lockdown in Melbourne around March and um, my daughter was home from school obviously with, locked, with home learning and um, I was pregnant. I was feeling very, very unwell until about 18 weeks and we had planned, um, we had so much travel planned last year. We were taking the girls to Disneyland before their brother was born. My sister lives in Los Angeles so we are visiting her and I just remember lying on the couch putting YouTube videos of Disneyland on loop. So they would just be watching mm-hmm. Disneyland all day, which is really sad we didn't get there. Um, and writing, starting to write the book on my phone in notes. Um, mm. That's when it began. And then when lockdown just continued and continued, obviously we had to shut, gather down the physical space. Mm. Um, and that freed up a lot of time for me because that is a lot of investment um, in my time. Like every spare minute I'm replying to emails, just just keeping on top of the admin is it full-time job. Yeah. So, um, that kind of all went away. Like we, we did a few online offerings but not nowhere near as much as what was happening in the space. So I kind of was freed up from that. My partner was at home working from home so I just said I need the mornings and I need the nights. So I sort of got up early. I wrote for a couple of hours every morning. I wrote sometimes at night when I was feeling up to it although I was going to bed very early as well because I was exhausted. And I spent every weekend for four months writing this book. So it was a lot mm. of time away from my family which was hard, really hard, especially weekend time, which was really precious. And now my girls are getting older. They're like, that's precious time, mummy. Why are you working on the weekend? But Mm. I was really dedicated. I wanted this book to happen um, and I knew I wanted to write it. The deadline was a few weeks before my son's due date. So I needed, I knew I needed, I had had two deadlines. I had to get it in and I had to do it before he was born because I knew that it would not happen afterwards. That kind of would have been the perfect time to write a book about this, to be so in it. Perfect. Because you're so yeah. in that world, aren't you? Like, so in And it. I've just come, I'm in the postpartum right now, like I've just been through mm. that world again as well and I'd forgotten so much even though I'd only had yeah. a baby two years prior. Isn't it bizarre? It's funny yeah. you, you mentioned 2020 because I actually um, hired your space right before the lockdown to do a shoot for a um, oh, uh, company. Did we, yeah. And we had to cancel it? No, no, we. No, I did, did it. it. I, I did it just there. before. Oh, I remember. Um, it was for a belly belly pillow. It's like a um, I remember. pregnancy yeah, massage. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we um we did that shoot, and I got in the car to drive home, and my parents called me, and mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to my son's first birthday party, which was coming up. And they called me to say they couldn't come. My dad had been unwell, and I was really really upset about it. And then, literally a few days later, coronavirus hit. And mm. they couldn't come anyway. And then the birthday mm. party got cancelled. And then that whole year yeah. just completely wiped, right? But I mean, writing a book in that time, it's the perfect thing to do. It's yeah. the perfect thing to it do was, when nothing is happening so and lovely. you're pregnant. It felt so lovely to do it as I was pregnant because so much came up, like you said. And then after I put the manuscript in, I had the baby, I had the birth, I had those early days postpartum, and I went back and rewrote all of that. I said, I've touched on it, but it doesn't feel personal. It doesn't, there's so much more that I need to put in because like you said, yeah. you forget. So being mm. in it was wonderful. 
Um, it was hard though because I was riding up until a few days before his birth and I think mm. that was tough because, you know, as I say to all the women I support as a doula, I say, you know, let go, start letting go by 36 weeks, like really get, move into your birth space, stop working. And here I am at 40 weeks and three days like madly trying to get these edits <laughs> yeah. back from the, to the editor and um, also panicking why, about why he wasn't born yet because my daughters came at 39 weeks. So for me that space between was really challenging actually waiting mm. for his birth and I think mm. um my husband said well it's because you're working till midnight getting edits in like of course the baby's not going to be born I'm he's like I know enough about birth to tell you that yeah so get your work done and he will come and that's exactly what happened mm. yeah it, it's interesting thinking about um that sort of like the being the working driven woman and doing the thing and then wanting to be in motherhood and that real tear. I mean, that's, mm. that's the whole thing. I'm interested. That's the area of interest here for me. And mm. in a recent interview I had with a writer, I'm just, mm. I was just editing it the other week. She pointed out that while I'm using this platform to create a dialogue for mothers whose identity isn't fully wrapped around motherhood, mm. I've inextricably linked motherhood to my professional life. <laughs> So yeah. now it's actually part of motherhood mm-hmm. for me, my professional life. And isn't it bizarre? And I wonder, was that somewhat intentional for you as well, do you think? Or is it just mm. what happened? Yeah, a bit of both. I think um, it really, like I said, after my first daughter's birth, something shifted in me and knowing that I wanted to do really meaningful work and just seeing what um, people, you know, just what people need to know around this time and sort of giving my wisdom and my knowledge because I've been through it three times, it sort of, it just felt natural. It just felt so right. And for me, it was almost like 360. Like I, I started the doula work and I started this space and then I came back to writing and I've now I've written a book, but I've written a book about all the things I'm passionate about that I love to do and that the, the information I want to give. So I think it was a bit of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what about success? We've mentioned it a little bit because you were clearly in a really successful how the general society sees success, successful position mm. in your first job in your career. How mm. much has success changed for you throughout your motherhood journey? What does it look like now to you? Oh, I think that's a really good question. I think, I think for me it's at the end of the day feeling that I'm doing something that's fulfilling personally to me um, as well as holding space for my children because I think, like I write in the book, it's just not possible finding that balance and letting go of the guilt that comes with that I feel like is to me success because it's Mm. not about how well the book does although I you know I want it to do really well I want enough people to read it to really get something from it I want the business to go well I want the business to grow obviously but for me personally at the end of the day it's about not feeling guilty about my choices that day about um how things have sort of played out because it is such a difficult thing to strike that balance and I like I said I think it's impossible um so it's about letting go of that and I think it's about surrendering to the mess like it's just I'm so deep in it right now and we're back in homeschool I've got my grade one girl who would rather look up pictures of cats and dogs on the iPad than um do any work and (laughs) I'm trying to motivate her but also keep her happy and my mm. four-year-old who misses her friends on kinder and my one-year-old who's just a hurricane and I've got to keep my eye on him at all times. Mm. I think if I can surrender to that and just sort of keep them happy, um, that feels successful to me and also yeah. having time to really dedicate to things that matter to me. So actually personally um, the work that I do really matters and creating a divide between home and work Uh, which I'm very bad at doing, but if I can do that better and know that when I'm with my children I'm present and when I'm doing work I'm present, that that feels successful. Success has shifted so much for me because, um, yeah, at my old job at Victoria's Secret it was getting to the level that I wanted to get to, um, Mm. which is very different to where I'm at now. So things have really changed. I love that question though. I haven't really Mm. reflected on that before. Hmm. Yeah. And then here's a question from your own book that comes from a wonderful list of things to discuss with your partner before having Love kids. It. Mm-hmm. How do you make time for your relationship now? What does that look like as a mum of three mm. and a businesswoman? 
Oh my goodness, we don't probably asking you for my own self. (laughs) I'm not the person to ask. Um, it's such a, it's so hard. It's really hard. I think we we know we want to be together. We know we want to stay together, and we know that this is a really hard time, and that we will come out of it again. So before our son was born, we had a six and a three year old, and I think that's like like a really sweet spot in parenting where they're you know they're not in nappies they can dress themselves they can take care of Mm. themselves get themselves breakfast and we felt free they weren't napping you know we felt like our relationship was in a really good place and we came back to ourselves right now we're in a total we're in the mess so um my son really does not sleep I had two my daughters both just slept well my son doesn't sleep at all we've done nothing different it's very much personality based I think like him and Mm -hmm. I are up settling him all night long so we're exhausted Um, Mm. But we know we want this, we know we want to be together and we know that we'll come back to each other again. Mm. But right now I don't have any advice. I'm sorry. It's just hard. It's just hard. I think it's about communication, honestly communicating and knowing that, you know, if you even have half an hour at night to just sit and talk rather than sit on your phones and look at your phones or watch something on Netflix, like if you can just have dinner together at the end of the day, which is what we try to do, but we're eating so late and then we're in bed. But um, if you can just yeah. have a little bit of time to be like, what's going on for you? How are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And COVID makes it all trickier, right? Because yeah, we don't get does. that time with our friends. We don't get that time outside of the house. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a complex question to ask. I just was curious because I know that no one I've spoken to has really got an answer for that. It's it's always tricky. I mean, we're parenting, you know. Yeah, exactly. How, mu- how much has and does motherhood impact your identity? Um, it's impacted it enormously. Um, who I was before becoming a mother is not who I am today. I feel like that shift has been great. And I think after every child, it's changed as well. I think, um, I used to be pretty organized, pretty type A, like wanting things to be pretty planned and organized. Um, and now I've lowered my expectations totally to the point of just being almost like comical you know like Mm. when I look around the house it's just a total mess um whereas one you know before my son came along for example if my girls were painting paint gives me lots of anxiety because it's paint Mm -hmm. all over the house so if they were doing that I'd be like oh be careful watch out don't do that don't you know now like this morning I was putting him I was feeding him putting him to bed they had the paint out all over the floor going crazy and it doesn't bother me anymore I'm like okay I've just learned to surrender so much more to Mm. the ash and just know that it's okay and not put so much pressure on myself to be perfect I think you need as a mother to hold so much space for yourself to be gentle and to forgive yourself and to know that it's okay to like let things go occasionally because um the more children I've had the more I've learned that that um, mm. you can't hold it together, you, things are not going to be perfect, like mess and clutter give me anxiety so I try to tidy up as much as possible but I'm also able to sort of now more so let that go. So, um, yeah, and also I, lo- I used to look to the future a lot more. I used to sort of, you know, look to the future and look to where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do with my life and now I'm very much in the present which has taken, you know, that that was a tough learning curve for me but now I'm, be- I'm there, I feel like I'm really living for the day because now I have a seven-year-old I feel like the time until she sort of went to kinder sort of was slow and now after kinder she's in grade one I just feel like she's getting so old every day and I'm really just like oh, trying to hold on to them as little yeah. people yeah yeah that does sound scary even I've yeah. got a two and a half year old and I'm like watching him grow and I think also part of it for me is I'm focusing so much on the baby now my partner takes over a lot of that toddler sort of stuff. Yeah. So when yeah. I do get those moments with him throughout the day, I, I think, oh, my God, he's changed so much. He's grown so much. I can yes. see it clearly and it's yeah. scary. Yeah. Um. So what about advice that you would potentially give to mothers who are maybe in a place where they're thinking about moving into doing their own kind of meaningful freelance yeah. work? Yeah. Um, would you give them any advice about how to juggle everything, how to how to sort of, yeah. Mm, yeah, I think um, it's important to have goals and it's, in, it's really important to pursue them. I think don't let anything get in the way of that. If you really have um, an idea in mind that you want to pursue, pursue it. But also, like I said before, be really gentle on yourself and on the time that you've got and the capacity that you have to give because I think things just take longer, much longer when you're a mother. You just don't have the time to be dedicating days to projects anymore like you know for example I don't because I think 
I don't know, I just feel like, you know, there's always something else to be doing a little bit. Like mm. every room I walk into, I have one yeah. job when I walk into the room, but I leave half an hour later because I've done all the other things, you know. Yeah. And you it's walk the life of the house, being a mum. It's the life of being a mum. And I think, um, and I don't want to like make this like a polarised kind of thing, but I think for for part, like dads, I think that they are able to just completely separate work and life a yeah. little bit more. Like they can walk into a mess and just walk out and start work. And I'm like, but I know if I don't do this now, it just is like spirals. And yeah. so um, things just have to keep going. And I think we carry, I write about this in the book as well, the mental load that we carry as women is huge. And so mm. to find the you time will, space you... to focus on your own thing is hard, but, but keep pushing yeah. for it. Just make it happen. Just yeah. keep trying not to feel guilty about being away from your children and just make that space for yourself. And if it is important to you, pursue it because it matters. Mm. Yeah, I love, love, love that part at the end where it says in big writing, you will drown in the mental load. I was like, yeah. yes, it's so <laughs> true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time, but I do have one final question, which I'm sure you've heard before. I ask every yeah. guest, what has yeah. motherhood given you? <sighs> motherhood has given me, um, I think, the first thing I'll say is like the love is beyond anything else I could have ever imagined. Um, I just, at the end of the day, I just want to almost, I'm just emotional every single day when I put them to bed and just think I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to Mm. have them. Um, They have changed my life in a way that Mm. I never, you know, you can never anticipate that love. Like it's so deep. Um, It's given me that. It's given me a sense of, um, like I kind of said before, the presence, like it's given me a chance to feel present it's mm. given me, uh, it's you know, like, like I've lost so much sleep and just being okay with that. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I'm learning to forgive myself. I think as a mother I've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. Um, every day I make mistakes. Every day I try to not feel guilty, but I do. I feel guilty for things that I've said or done or, you know, I think learning to forgive myself has been huge for me. So, mm. um yeah, just being gentle on myself and knowing the importance of that is really, really important. Mm, so yeah. true and so nice. Yeah. Well, that is all we have time for. For those listening, Gabrielle's beautiful new book, The Birth Space, is published by Hardy Grant. You can purchase it from any good bookstore or from gatherwomenspace.com. Thank you so much for sharing both your time and your story with me today. It's been so lovely to chat. Thank you, Amy. It's been so good to talk to you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't even begin to express how much it means to me that you're here and you're listening. Without you, this wouldn't exist and I wouldn't be here. I've had so much support from all of you wonderful people over the past few years that I've been able to continue to do this thing that I love to do outside of everything else in my life. Don't forget to head to birthmybusiness.com and subscribe to the newsletter to be the first to know about my incredible new program for mums and women in business. I'll see you next week.